Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Here is a word for you, Galatians 6, 9. It says, and let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. And so the only people that reap are those that don't quit, you know? And so there are going to be times in the service of God, if you do it right, when you're exhausted. Even though God is doing the primarily the one doing the significant portion of the work, there'll be times where, man, I'm tired from what I'm doing right now. And it says, but don't become weary in well-doing. We shall reap if we do not lose heart. So often we begin ministries with good intentions, but lose motivation when things don't move along as quickly as we hoped. What's the deal with that? If the Bible tells us that steadfastness will produce results, what's keeping us from trusting this promise? In today's message, Pastor Bill hopes to address the issue of our hearts, which in turn will help us all to grow our faith. Is your heart prepared for some potentially challenging self-reflection? Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Judges chapter 8 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Gideon had a great victory. The Lord used Gideon and his 300 men to defeat the Midianite army as God had told him he would do. God kept all of his promises. Gideon operated in faith and he saw what God would do through him as, as he believed the Lord and obeyed. As is the case many times when people of God have had great victories, what oftentimes comes behind great victories? Warfare, times of discouragement, you know, we settle in, there could be pride, a number of different things to, that all intend to ruin what was just accomplished. And so we're going to, I see three things in this chapter that I just would warn us about. I'm going to, I'll highlight them as we get to them, but after a great victory, after defeating the Midianite army and just, just seeing God do wonderful things, we're going to see some not so wonderful things. And so look at Judges chapter eight, verse one. It says, now the men of Ephraim said to him, why have you done this to us by not calling us when you went to fight with the Midianites? And they reprimanded him sharply. And so I don't know if you guys remember after he won, he called some of the other groups after the fight was over. He said, hey, I need some of you guys to come help us, you know, gather. We're gathering things. He wanted their help, but it was after the war had been done. This group, instead of saying, man, great job, Gideon, praise the Lord, man, you, you, our enemies are defeated, you know, because of what you did, what God did through you. These guys said, hey, man, how come you didn't call us to go fight with you? You know, where's our glory? And that's pretty much what it amounts to. These guys are saying, now we don't get no shine. Now we don't get any glory. Now, it wasn't Gideon's fault because Gideon actually had some extra guys, if you don't, if you remember. He started off with a, with a group of guys and God whittled them down to 300, so it wasn't really in Gideon's power to go and say, hey, I would like some more guys to come help us. God was the one that reduced his army from what it was. So I want you guys to consider with me, what could Gideon's response have been? Let me put you in Gideon's position. You have obeyed God. You have done exactly what God said do. You just came back and you want God through you, want the enemy. You had a victorious battle. And now someone comes, comes to you and says, hey, man. What's your problem? How come you didn't call us when it was time to go fight? What would your response be to that? Everybody, everybody here is different. Some of y'all are 
Some of y'all know. Some of y'all know that it's rising up in you right now. I can see it on your faces, you know. What would the response be? What would your natural inclination, what would come out of your mouth? What would well up in your heart? What would it be if somebody came at you like that, you know? You don't have to answer out loud. <laughs> Some of you shouldn't answer out loud, but I want you to think about that because there's a lesson here for us, right? So in verse two, it says, so he said to them, Gideon's response, what have I done now in comparison with you? Is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of Abiezer? Now, what he does is responds back very gently. He says, hey, guys, but what have I done compared to what you guys have done? Now, if you look at what they did compared to what it's very laughable, it's laughable what he's saying. But there's a humility about what he's doing. He could have done all the stuff that welled up in us, the natural thoughts that he could have had a much you know, more sharp response. They're rebuking him for obeying God, essentially. But he says, you know what, guys, man, what have, what have I done in comparison to what you guys have done? And he says, man, the gleaning, the leftover grapes of your guys' area is better than the vintage, better than the store-bought stuff in ABEs. And in verse 3, he says, God has delivered into your hands the princes of Midian, Oreb and Zeb. And what was I able to do in comparison with you? And it said their anger toward him subsided when he said that. So what he did was he brought up the little bit that they did. You know what they did do at the end after he won the war? He says, you know, help me gather the people. He got They got their kings. They got Oreb and Zeb, the kings of, of Midian. And he says, Man, you guys, what was I able to do in comparison? You guys got the kings. You guys did a great thing. I mean, you know, you guys were a part. And with all the negative things he could have said back, I just want you to note what he chose to do. And there's a verse, and we're going to see Proverbs 15.1 is a two-sided coin. And we're going to see both sides of that coin in this chapter. I would say Proverbs 15.1a is what we see right here. If you're writing notes, Proverbs 15.1, I'm going to read it to us. It says, a soft answer turns away wrath. That's side A of the coin. Side B says, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And so I want us to consider, because I read this and I, I sat there and thought for a minute. That would, you know. I mean, when you've done the right thing, you know you did the right thing because you heard directly from God. You can get you can get spiritually arrogant. I know what I'm supposed to do, so I did what I'm supposed to do. You can be, you know, you can be right and wrong at the same time, right? And so we want to be careful about our hearts. I look at what he did here and I think, wow, what an example. That even when he was, he was right, but he was right again now. He was right to humble himself. He was right to say, you know what, if, if they, I, I don't, I just had a great victory. I don't need to, I don't need to put them down. I don't need to. I don't, you know, I don't need to win this fight. My fight wasn't with them in the first place. And he said, hey, guys, you know what? He told he, he found the few good things he could bring out about them. He brought the one thing that they did do and say, hey, you guys, you guys did a great job, you know, doing what you're doing. And it says their anger subsided with his words. Their anger subsided. There's a word in that for us because someone could come at you because they're angry and they could be saying something to you because they're angry. And the natural, if you don't walk in the supernatural, the natural inclination in human nature is you came at me angry. I'm going to come back at you with anger to show you the spiritual response would be you come at me with anger, but I'm going to humble myself. I'm not going to respond in kind. I'm going to respond in the spirit. And maybe your anger will subside. Maybe what my response can do instead of making you more angry, maybe my response can bring you down. And we can both go on about our life and be at peace. 
And so sometimes, you know, it's it's good for us to realize I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not in a position where I have to respond in kind when people come at us wrong. And it, it does happen. People will speak to us in ways that we don't appreciate. We may be accused of things. We don't have to respond in kind because when we do, it's like putting someone else in control of us. Who's supposed to be in control of us? The Holy Spirit. He's gracious. He has self-control. He's merciful. He's kind. He's gentle. And if he's filling our lives, he'll help us have the right response when these things happen. Amen. Amen. So right here, I'm just I want I wanted to highlight that because I thought what a great response. But I want to say this. The enemy, one of the tactics of the enemy, I believe, is discouragement. And I don't know that this was intended to discourage him more. This was maybe intended to kind of you know stir him up, get him, get him upset. But this next thing that takes place, I believe, is intended to bring discouragement. And so look at verse five. Then he said to the men of I'm sorry, I skipped verse four, verse four. When Gideon came to the Jordan, he and the 300 men who were with them crossed over exhausted, but still in pursuit. So when Gideon gets done, they fought the war. They're still pursuing enemies. And so if you can imagine, even though God was doing it through them, they're tired. They're doing the walking They're They're out on the battlefield. They're pursuing enemies. And so these guys are exhausted from the work. And what Gideon is going to do is ask some of the places that they're passing through. Hey, God, can you feed my guys? Would you give these guys some bread? They're, my guys are exhausted. They're tired. When I read that, you know, I, I thought of this verse for anybody here that's serving God and you're involved in the work. There will be times where you're exhausted in the work. You're tired in the work and you're not done yet. Here is a word for you. Galatians 6, 9. It says, and let us not grow weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. And so the only people that reap are those that don't quit. You know, and so there are going to be times in the service of God, if you do it right, where you're exhausted, even though God is doing the primarily the one doing the significant portion of the work. There'll be times where, man, I'm tired from what I'm doing right now. And it says, but don't become weary in well doing in due time, in due time. Eventually you will reap if you don't lose heart. Hang in there. And so if you're doing something for the Lord, just getting tired, you're tired and, you know, just. Continue to lean on the Lord. Let him be your strength from the inside out. In due season, you will reap if you don't lose heart. But what if you lose heart and quit? You won't reap nothing. You're going to start all over again somewhere else. You're going to be tired again somewhere else at some other time. And you're going to eventually get that victory or you're going to keep quitting and quitting. So don't quit. That's the moral of that right there. Verse five. Now it says, then he said to the men of Succoth, please give loaves of bread to the people who follow me for they are exhausted and I am pursuing Zeba and Zalmunna, kings of Midian. So he's still in pursuit of these two kings of Midian. He says, hey, guys, would you guys, the men of Succoth, as they go through this area, they're supposed to be allies to him. Would you guys give my men bread? These guys say in verse six, and the leaders of Succoth said, are the hands of Zeba and Zalmunna now in your hand that we should give bread to your army? This is what they're saying. They're saying you haven't beat them yet. And and we don't think that you're going to. So we give you bread after they beat you. They don't come get us. So we're not getting involved. We're not giving y'all bread. We know y'all are tired. We know we should probably help you guys, but we don't think you're going to win. Therefore, we're not going to give you bread going through our area, though. We have bread. Y'all going to be tired and hungry and exhausted. We're not helping. Now, I want you to consider how discouraging that would be. You're responsible for these men's lives. 
right? You're doing what God called you to do. You're pursuing the enemy. You're hungry, natural. I mean, naturally, you guys have been running and warring and battling and ask these guys for food. And they pretty much say, we don't think you're going to win. So we're not feeding you guys. Now, I believe that would be that the intent would be discouraging. But, you know, we'll see again. Gideon has the right response. But I would just point this out. I was thinking of other people that have done a work for God in Scripture and how the enemy sought to discourage them. Uh, I thought of Joseph. Right. What did Joseph's brother call him after he had his dream? Here comes the dreamer. You know, when he would come down with his with his with his little coat on, you know, they, they couldn't stand him. And they just come with his little dreams. Did you dream another dream? You know, and they just they that was just, that was intended to discourage him. Right. And he had to hang in there. And eventually everything God told him he was going to do. He did. Did he not? David, when David got down to the battle and they were talking smack, you know, Goliath was talking smack to all the people of God. And David got down there and said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? What did brothers tell him? Get out of here, David. So you just want to see a fight. You, you know, you, you, you're being nosed. Get out of here. You know, go, who's keeping those little few sheep you got back at home? And they discouraged him. When he got before Saul, Saul discouraged him. Saul said, David, this man has been a warrior, your lifespan, you know. And David continued on. David whooped Goliath anyway, dude. He, he went on. He didn't, he didn't let the discouragement make him stop. He went on ahead anyway. And I got one more, and I'm going to explain why I believe the, the answer to being overcoming discouragement. Nehemiah was building the wall. So a while back, the men went through Nehemiah. But as he was building the wall, the enemy came to him with so many ways to discourage him. And at one point they said, man, this wall you're building, Nehemiah, even if a fox, foxes are light and agile. They're not really heavy duty. Even if a fox goes on the wall, it's going to fall down. Your wall weak is what they were saying. He kept building that wall. He didn't stop building that wall. He accomplished what God called him to do. Here's the deal. I believe that the greatest way to overcome discouragement, how do you win over when, when, when you're being discouraged is you have to keep going. If you quit, discouragement beats you. So if someone puts you down and it makes you stop, that's the goal of discouragement. They wanted Nehemiah to stop building wall, the, the wall. They wanted David to not go fight because they were embarrassed that they were punking out and not fighting. They didn't want Joseph's dream to come to pass because in his dream, they were bowing down to him. In each case where discouragement was going forth, the person was being discouraged from what God said he would do through them. And they were being discouraged so that they would stop. And the way you overcome discouragement is just don't stop. Because once you get on the other side of having done it, there's nothing anybody can say. There's nothing to be said that you can't be discouraged when the walls are up. Now, I, no matter what they said, the walls were up. God did it. David couldn't be discouraged while he's slicing off Goliath's head saying, God did it. You can't be discouraged afterwards, but discouragement only works on the front end if you buy into it and stop. So if you're being discouraged from doing something that God has spoken to you, uh, if someone's saying discouraging things, if it, it, discouragement can come from within yourself. You can start, your, you can listen to your own thoughts enough. That's why the Bible says, lean not to your what? Own understanding. It's not good enough. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. We many times have to go back to what he said, because even what we're saying to ourselves is not always what we need to be hearing. It's not always the truth. And we could discourage ourselves. Other people could discourage us. Fear could discourage us. A number of different ways we can be discouraged. But bottom line, the way you overcome discouragement is you just keep going. You can't be discouraged after you win. You can only be discouraged beforehand. Amen. Yeah. All right. So anybody doing something for the Lord. I want you to write this stuff down and I want you to not be discouraged. I want you to go ahead and plow through and get you some victory so we can shout with you. So moving on. 
It says, so they, they told Gideon they were not going to help. In verse seven, Gideon said, for this cause, when the Lord has delivered Zeba and Zalmunna into my hand, then I will tear your flesh with the thorns of the wilderness and with the briars. Now, first, I want you to notice that he speaks faith, right? He says, Gideon said, for this cause. He says, you know what, you guys? Because y'all said that. Because you guys wouldn't help me. He didn't say if God delivers. He says when. When we defeat them. When God delivers them into my hand. Because God's already told me he's going to do it. I'll be coming back. And I'm going to discipline you guys publicly. Now, some might read this and say, is that wrong for him to threaten to whoop these guys? <laughs> is it wrong? He says, when I come back, after God gives me this victory, I'm going to tear your flesh with the thorns and briars of the wilderness and with, with briars. Now, I don't believe that it's wrong what he's doing. I'll explain why. This, I gave you all the second part of Proverbs 15.1, right? The first part was that a soft answer turns away wrath. But the second part, a harsh answer stirs up wrath. And so they're going to get wrath. Is this right now? I don't believe that this is now. I don't want to. I want to preach this carefully, right? This isn't for you and me. We, we can't go tomorrow and say, you know, since you said that's me, where did I get my victory? I'm going to come back and I'm going to whoop you. I'm going to put hands on you. That's not what we're to take from this. I just want to be clear. I know some of y'all here are special. So this was a way of publicly, this was a, in this culture, it was a way that you publicly disciplined someone that has done the most disgraceful things in the nation. It was like, in some countries, they publicly whip people. I know in Singapore, American kids went over there, thought they was going to tag on the walls and go home. And they brought them out publicly. And what they, they call it caning. Where they take them, them, them those, those rods and they whip you in front of the world. Everybody gets to see it. I saw one and I don't know what culture it was, but I know that they they actually same kind of sticks. They strip the they open your backside. So you have clothes on, but everything in the back is exposed and you're actually tied and they whip you until the guys are bleeding. And, but the whole community is there watching. And I would, why, I don't know what they did to receive that kind of chastisement, but it was a, it was a let the community know what he did. <laughs> you don't want to make sure you don't want to be doing that, whatever it was, you know? And so here, this was with regard to the culture. It was a way of public, public discipline and disgrace for someone. And because they didn't help their own people in a time of war, when we come back, you guys are going to be disgraced for what you did. And we're going to see that it's not going to be the whole area. We're going to, he's going to get the leaders of Sukkot, all the leaders, the people that should have made the better decision. They're going to be publicly disgraced in front of everybody. I do believe that it's, it's a right thing that, but it's, it's, it's coming later on. So moving on verse eight, it says, then he went up from there to Penuel and he spoke to them in the same way. And the men of Penuel answered him. As the men of Sukkoth answered, had answered. So he goes into another area, Penuel, and they tell him the same thing. We're not going to help you. We don't believe you're going to win. And it says, so he spoke to the men of Penuel saying, when I come back in peace, I'm going to tear down this tower. They had a tower built. He said, when I come back in peace on you guys, this tower that y'all got built, I'm tearing it down. And I was contemplating this over the week. You know, why was, why he going to whoop one group and tear down the tower of another? And and I don't I can't tell you that I have a, you know, something I would argue down answer. But I was curious that the tower that he's threatening to tear down, if maybe this is why you guys aren't worshiping right. Maybe this is why you guys aren't believing right. Maybe this is in the way. When I come back, I'm going to make that right. I'm going to tear it down. The men of Sukkoth, it, it may have been that these were very appropriate disciplines for 
each group and why they were doing what they were doing. You guys, the leaders of Suckoff are going to be publicly disgraced and punished for what you guys are doing. You guys got some altar that y'all are looking to. I'm tearing that down. Some tower is going to be gone when I get back. And so in either case, this is what he says is going to happen. And he moves on. I, I want to highlight that he doesn't stop. The discouragement doesn't hinder him. They're just, they just going to go hungry. They're just going to keep going. God bless you. They're going to keep going anyway. And may that be a word of encouragement to us that we would just keep going anyway, that you just wouldn't stop, that nothing would stop you from the things that God has called you to be doing. It's supposed to be difficult sometimes. God lets it be difficult sometimes. In the difficult seasons, God is pruning us and teaching us. And, you know, there are things that we just don't learn when everything is easy. And so there are lessons of faith that we learn when things are difficult. You know, I really... I really don't know that I'm walking in faith until I have to exercise faith, until I can't see how it can work out outside of just believing God. And so sometimes God puts us in scenarios where it's uncomfortable. I can't see how this is going to work out. All I have is God's word. And God said, that's enough. It should be enough for you to just keep going at my word. And so those are, you know, it, it, but it comes through difficulty. I can look over my life. And again, I, 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 as I say it, I cringe. I look over my life and I can, I can look at the things that the beneficial things that God brought into my life through difficulty. Difficult things, but they came through difficulty. I wouldn't want to go relive any of them. I didn't ask for them when he brought them, but he brought great things out of them, and I needed them in my life. I didn't want them, but I needed them. And I know that I'm not done yet. You know, I know that and God, as he sees fit in my life, God will allow challenges and things to, to strengthen me and, and grow me up in him. And so for you and I, when God does that, some people get angry. Some people quit. Some people say, it's just too hard. I can't, man, man, whatever. If you become accustomed to quitting, the end result is you'll never accomplish anything for God. Nothing. Your life will be wasted. No one accomplishes anything great for God easily. It comes through difficulty. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be tests of faith. There's going to be, you know, pressings on your flesh. There's going to be warfare and adversaries and things that happen and things that come against you. And there'll be times where you just got to push through and say, I'm, I'm I'm only moving forward because God said go forward. I'm not going to I'm, I'm just I'm committed to finish what he what he told me to do. I can say this, getting to the backside of many of these things, getting to the other side when when the thing that God said do he did is nothing like that. There's nothing like that. Nothing like seeing God do something and bring a work to completion, see him finishing something he started, see him, you know, you see his word come to pass in your in your own life. There's nothing like that. But many times in order for us to see that we've got to endure and we've got to stay the course. And so, again, as I look at Gideon here, tired guys, worn out, they, they could have said it somewhat. We've done enough. We could let's take a break, you know, but they didn't take their foot off the gas. They kept their foot on the gas. These guys won't feed us. We're hungry. We're going to keep going. You know, we'll get food somewhere, but we're not going to stop. That's not going to be the answer isn't stop. The answer is something else other than that. And that's that's a mindset that it'd be great for us to adopt and, and gather a mindset that says, once God has given me something, I'm not stopping. I'm going to push through to the end, you know. So I'll just say this to us that are, that are raising kids as well. We want to be careful to raise our kids and not allow them. You know, it's, it's a their quitting is a characteristic. Some people are quitters. When everything is difficult, they quit. When they're not the best on the team, they don't want to play. When they're not this, they, they don't want to do it anymore. You want to make sure that you're developing character in your kid that says, you know, before my kids do something as simple as play a sport, it's like, you know, I don't, let's pray. You know, are you supposed to play this sport? Are you supposed to be on this team? You know, this looks right. We looked at it. We, you know, let's pray about it. I make them pray. You know, you tell me God wants you to do this. 
Because now when, when it gets hard and you go out there and get rocked or whatever, it's like, no, we said God said, right? <laughs> Pick it up, you know, get, get back on do it. You know, like that's why we prayed first. You know, it's it may seem like a simple thing, but that's just a that's that's a novel thing. But God's teaching them lessons as they do that. Much of life is cyclical. There are seasons that cycle through and then start over again. You see the pattern or cycle of the Israelites in the book of Judges. They rebel from God and sin, bringing judgment on themselves. But then God sends them a deliverer, and they turn back to following God. But eventually, they turn away and start the same cycle over again. Do you think God got tired of that cycle and wanted to throw in the towel with these people? If anything, the book highlights God's mercy when the Israelite people were undeserving of rescue. But this is the God we serve, one who's looking to redeem and rescue. He also wants you to genuinely turn back to Him, not questioning His goodness or faithfulness, God's long-suffering. And He proves this time and time again in the book of Judges. Have you been enjoying this series in Judges? Pastor Bill has been working his way through this book here on The Transforming Word. If you'd like to hear additional messages from Judges, head over to calvaryinglewood.org. Look under the teaching tab for more messages. While you're on our website, you can download our mobile app to take teachings with you on the go. Something else you might find at our website are links to Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Stay connected with us through those various platforms and come back again to hear more from Pastor Bill. There are many things to learn from the book of Judges, and we're just getting started. So make sure that you don't miss a single edition of A Transforming Word.